0: Happy Tuesday. It's August the 24th. Thanks for tuning in to NL News. The time right now is 3.36. Now, I want to continue talking about today's announcement when it comes to school. What's it going to look like when it returns next month? And I'm joined on the line now by the president of the B.C. School Trustees Association, which does provide advocacy and representation to the trustees of the 60 school districts right across the province. Let's bring her in now. Stephanie Higginson. Stephanie, how are you here this afternoon?
1: I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. It's been a little while, so uh, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, Just to start here, I'm just going to throw the ball right in your court. Uh, Was there anything within today's announcement that maybe caught you off guard, or or was it essentially what you were expecting? There was a lot of information to uh, try to digest here today.
1: There, there certainly was a lot, of, a lot of information, and I think that there's probably a lot of folks sitting today across the province uh, in the education sector uh, reviewing those documents to make sure that they are in line with what people thought and how they've been planning for the reopening of schools. You know, I wasn't surprised today because I'm fortunate enough to be sitting on the steering committee and be part of the group of folks that helps um, provide uh, information to the writing of those guidelines. Uh, so today's announcement, um, I think, is going to provide the direction that a lot of people have been long waiting for in order to you know, really get started on the, uh, the reopening under the new communicable illness plan.
0: Okay, so since you're a part of that steering committee, um, i, I got to ask a little about the mass mandate that was announced today. So it's going to be in place, and, and specifically talking about students, grades 4 to 12. Why does that make yeah. sense? How come K to 3 is not a part of this?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I have learned through our time on the steering committee and interacting with members of the Provincial Health Office and the BC CDC is that any time you put in a health measure, which can be viewed as a restriction, it has to be proportionate to the risk and the benefit associated with it. And what all the data shows, and, all, and there is a lot of data that we have, and in particular, because we had schools open last year, we have so much information on, on children, uh, is that there are less severe outcomes um, for children and in particular the younger the children are the less severe the outcomes are so right now they are working on a highly encouraging highly recommending that young kids k-3 to wear masks uh, but not requiring it because the you know the benefit of the measure doesn't outweigh the restriction that it would put on kids and you really have to think about those littles coming in their first time in schools, particularly little to have been, you know, not uh, as socialized right now because 18 months of their life has been spent in a, a pretty confined uh, socialized existence. But having them come into the school environment wearing masks. And so the idea was just that there isn't a need at this point, And all the data shows that there are less severe outcomes for kids as the younger that they go.
0: And I don't argue any of the points that are just being made there. Uh, The only thing I think uh, I'm sure it probably came up is, you know, if you're a grade four student and you're having to wear a mask and you look at someone who is in grade three, one year younger than you and saying they don't have to wear one. There might be a little bit of, you know, how, how come I have to do something that someone just one year younger doesn't have to do?
1: Absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, you have that no matter what age group you started it at. And one of the things that we are, you know, we have run into across the province on this is that there isn't one system. We don't go, you know, the schools don't all go K to 7 and then 8 to 12 across the province. We have middle schools. We have middle schools that start and stop at different ages and different grades. We have mixed grades. We have multiple grades. (laughs) So it didn't matter where you drew that line. There was always going to be. Uh, that situation that you're describing. but so so it's what they did do is based it on the health data and the PHO made the recommendation based on the most up-to- date data that these this is a good place to implement it based on what we know about outcomes with kids and also about you know access to vaccinations and all those kinds of things.
0: What was the debate like in terms of having a, a mandate? For, for vaccinations, I'm sure that was a, a large portion of the discussions that were had when when trying to figure out what these protocols that were going to be announced here this morning. We've seen them in other sectors. I know you know. I think everyone can comprehend why they're in settings like long term care or why they're going to be in places like uh, uh, for healthcare students in universities. Why they would have to wear one because they're going to be working with vulnerable populations. But you know, was there was there a lot of debate? Was there arguments that happened about whether or not? you know, teachers and staff members should be required to have a vaccine before going back to school in September?
1: It it has certainly, the discussion has started and sort of um, been... Addressed, but there hasn't been a large debate at this point yet because we really want to work on, you know, encouraging people. That 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 decision that you're talking about would be a provincial health yes. office call. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the people who sit around at the steering committee, we're not um, health experts, so what generally happens is the Provin- provincial health office and the BCCDC will make up the guidelines and then the steering committee folks say, okay, how do you implement those in the school setting? And so that decision that you're talking about really will be one in the, in the provincial health office. And our understanding at this point is because you're talking about less severe outcomes, uh, less serious illness for children, then we don't need to, to, you know, to to use that stick yet. And right now we're really just at the point where we are encouraging everyone who's going to interact with those with kids in schools to get your vaccine and get your first dose, get your second dose. Really get those vaccinations up because we know that schools are are, are not considered high-risk work environments. And so what we do want is people who are going to be interacting with the kids, though, to get those vaccines so that we can maintain that low-risk environment.
0: Yeah, and, and so you talk a little bit about the encouragement that is coming right from from those uh, upper levels from from public health to say, you know, teachers, staff members, even those students who are age 12 to 17 being very highly encouraged to get a, a vaccine, right? Go about getting mm-hmm. your first and second dose, and, and then you'll be more protected when walking around the school. From, from your steering committee point of view, did you guys have any conversations about access to vaccine and what that might look like at the school level? I think those questions are still being answered, especially, like, I just talked um, briefly here today with the superintendent of, of the Kamloops-Thompson School District, SD73, and they're still having those kinds of conversations, what that might look like, what is their role in, in making vaccine available. Did you guys have conversations like that at the steering committee level Well,
1: what we what we wanted what we did at the steering committee was talk about making it um, as accessible as possible mm-hmm. and certainly utilizing any tool that the school system has to help um, support that outreach process uh, and so it's going to look different in every community and that's because of you know of access and so in some areas it's possible for those and it's, it is the best place is that the school is the local community hub in small small communities it's the place that everybody goes so that might be a really appropriate place to put a vaccine clinic in other areas it might not be the most appropriate place to put it in a school site there might be a more central site where they can have more folks come through so the idea is that each local health authority is working with the local rapid response teams that started last year and will continue this year and they'll work together to figure out the best ways that the school system can support um, improving those vaccination rates and they're, they're critical. We've seen the data they showed last year, you know, in Surrey, which was the hot spot for sure. As soon as those, those staff started to get vaccinated, the, you know, the case counts and, and the school exposure notices dropped considerably just by having those, stu- those staff vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So it makes a big, big difference. And that happened in the community as well. If, you know, if Kids acquired COVID predominantly in the community and in the home setting. So that's where we also need to make sure that people are vaccinated. The people who come in contact with the children in their home setting and in their family setting also need to make sure that they're getting vaccinated if they're sending their kids to school.
0: We've talked all about masks and, and vaccines to this point. There were other other things, right, within the back-to-school plan. Of course, yeah, the daily cleaning and disinfection protocols that were in place all of last year. And uh, those are going to continue. No surprise there at all. One of the things that I, I feel has, I don't know if I want to say the ball's been dropped at all, but ventilation has been a concern for uh, for quite some time. And we'll look at somewhere here like Kamloops. You know you can open a whole bunch of windows during this the the fall and and during the spring maybe it's been a little bit of a weird season for us in terms of the smoke i'll i'll leave that aside but you know it's hard to do that kind of thing in the winter maybe it's possible in other places not so much here what is being done or, or conversations are being had at improving ventilation it's not cheap right this isn't something that you can just flick your flick your uh, your your hands and have a, a new ventilation system in place it's, mm-hmm. it's something that takes time has there been a lot of challenge, do you think, in, in your experience and the conversations you've had with different you know, school boards throughout the province that it's not just the easiest thing to try to improve those ventilation systems that are already there, especially when we're talking about schools that may be decades old?
1: It's true. But one of the good things in those old schools that you're talking about is that throughout the decades that they've been around, those, those HVAC systems have been continually being improved. So the building might be old, but the HVAC system within it has been updated and improved over the years. And you know, school districts and independent schools they are required to make sure that their heating and their, their HVAC systems, you know, are operated and maintained to a, a work safe standard. And those work safe standards uh, line up with what is recommended for. Uh, for creating safe environments in a coat for COVID. So districts that can put in the MERV 13 filters who have recirculating air have put in MERV 13 filters, but others have, you know, if they didn't have the ability to put in a MERV 13 filter, then what they've done is gone out and, and purchased, you know, portable HEPA filters for classrooms mm-hmm. if that's what is necessary. And the ministry has surveyed all all 60 districts to confirm that they're doing everything that's required to maintain and improve the air quality and they're working closely with any of them that have those really tricky places like might have more portables that are old and outdated and don't have the right system so they're working with them so this is something that's been paid attention to and it's something that's being done i think that there's an expectation out there that everybody in every school needed to rip out every hvac system and put in a new one but because those are HVAC systems were being maintained and, and upgraded over the course of the, you know, the, over time, they aren't as old as many people think that they are.
0: Those were basically the the major things I wanted to get here this afternoon with you, Stephanie. Um, I guess anything else or any message to to parents and, and teachers and um, students out there, but as, as they go back into what is going to be yet a third straight kind of bizarre school year as we go through this pandemic.
1: You know, just, uh, you know, gratitude for everyone to uh, for getting vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you really need to go out and get vaccinated if you're eligible. And just, to, you know, I know that right now is that I have two school aged children myself. And, and we are seeing sort of higher case numbers than what we saw last year at this time. But what we have under our belts now is a tool that we didn't have last year. And that's vaccination. And we know the uh, we know the efficacy. We know that they are very, very effective. And we're seeing that. In the current numbers that we're seeing, you know, they're over 90% are in people who are unvaccinated. So we really need to make sure that if you have um, someone in your family who's eligible, who's 12 and over, make sure that they get vaccinated if they're eligible and coming to school. And just know that we, you know, we are in a different place than we were last year. And we also have a lot of information from last year and what worked and didn't work that is utilized to build this plan. And, and we're looking forward to, you know, returning uh, to school and seeing those wonderful events that make school really special, like the return of school plays and the return of, of school sports, because we, we know that we can start implementing those things in a safe way now.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I really do appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for this. Uh, still a lot to take in, and I'm sure we'll all continue to kind of react here over the coming days, but school, you know, just a couple of weeks away here, so hopefully all the ducks are in a row, particularly here at a local level. I'll speak for Kamloops, but uh, really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much for this.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Have a good
0: day. Yeah, you too. That's uh, Stephanie Higginson right there. She is the president of the B.C. School Trustees Association, speaking to today's back to school plan as it was announced. Yes, students in grades four through 12 will be required, mandated to wear a mask when in those common areas, just like was the case earlier on in the pandemic. Most of last year, if not all of last year, I'm sure it was. I Trying to remember back, and I'm pretty sure everyone was supposed to be wearing a mask throughout the school day as well until you were seated in those classrooms, and that is going to be the case going again here into 2021 22. Uh, those in grades uh, kindergarten through grade three will be encouraged to wear masks but not required. Um, no mask or no vaccine mandate, excuse me, for anybody within the school system, teachers, staff. Students, There's no requirement to get a vaccine. It is, though, being strongly encouraged. And you heard Stephanie's comments there at the very end saying, if you haven't got a vaccine, go get one. And they're going to be working on making ease of access um, at at the priority for for schools across the province as well, probably particularly for those in the uh, populations that are less vaccinated. And would imagine there'd be a bit of a focus on that uh, cohort or, or grouping, if you will, whatever you wish to call it. We'll see what happens there. But uh, lo- a lot of it, I would say, is kind of status quo to what we saw in 2020, 2021. I don't think there's a whole lot new coming here. I think it was more the hope that we would see a whole bunch of changes, not have to wear those masks inside, kind of go back to a, a, a school prior to the pandemic look and we're just unfortunately not there. So really appreciate Stephanie coming on the show here and providing a little bit of context there. I really appreciated Dr. Rhonda Nixon, the superintendent of SD 73 uh, speaking to me a little bit earlier on and uh, I don't think all the answers are there just yet. We're going to get some more. Uh, This is something we'll continue to follow up on. And I know a lot of uh, school boards and districts are going to be meeting, you know, in the aftermath of this morning's announcements to to decide how it impacts them uh, on a more localized level. And I'll definitely be following up with our local officials on that here as well at some point. If it's not this week, it'll be early next, but I would imagine it'll be coming sooner than later.